Chapter 19 of Early Days of Old Oregon by Catherine Barry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19 Early Adventures in Seattle. Two young men one morning in October 1851 were cutting logs on a long point of land now called Alki Point. It is just across Elliott Bay from Seattle and a part of West Seattle it had not even a name then and these two youths lee terry and david denny were entirely alone that part of puget sound was not settled at all except for one or two farmers who had built cabins on fertile lands on the duwamish river the families of the two boys had just come across the plains to the columbia river most of the fertile lands in the willamette and the tualatin valley had been taken up and the two boys with denny's brother had come up from vancouver over the cowlitz trail to search for lands fertile farming land on puget sound was hardly to be found and knowing of the california trade in lumber the older denny had decided to settle on alki point and go to logging he had gone back to the columbia to get his family and the terrys who were relatives the two boys were alone trying to build a log cabin one was nineteen the other twenty-one suddenly out of the gray mist which hung over the water that morning came the black end of an indian canoe a moment later the prow grated on the beach and indians sprang ashore they were dark swarthy men and there was little that was friendly in their manner at once they tried to get inside the little brush tent which stood on the shore it was nothing but small branches and brush leaning on two sides against a pole some eight feet from the ground one end of which was fastened in a crotched stick the other nailed to a big tree inside were the boys blankets and food everything they possessed a little rough handling of the brush tent by a few of these brawny redskins would have pulled it all to pieces frightened though they were the boys knew enough of indians not to show fear lee terry braced himself against the big tree and prevented the indians from entering the indians pushed to get in but were rather daunted by terry's fearlessness soon they gave it up they were not hostile they merely wanted to steal seeing the boys were not afraid they went back to their canoe a few moments later its black end faded away in the gray mist with hammer and axe the only tools they had the boys worked busily at building the cabin for their families they could cut down the trees but the logs were so heavy they had to ask friendly passing indians to help them lift them and put them into place they asked by signs they paid the indians with bread pioneer bread food was abundant the indians brought them fish of all kinds crabs wild geese and deer and wapatoes the little bitter red indian potato but everything had to be cooked in a single tin pail their bread mixed in the usual way of coarse flour and water with salt was cooked on a flat board before the open fire meat was roasted on a spit and so were fish unless split open and cooked on a plank not long after this little indian adventure terry had to go to olympia that would take several days for he either had to go by trail or the usual way by indian canoe camping at night on the beach david denny nineteen years old was left entirely alone at alki point for three weeks working as best he could with the heavy timber and getting the cabin ready he was tired of the loneliness when one morning he was awakened by hearing the rattle of the chain of a ship's anchor 
pushing aside the boards he had set up in the unfinished cabin to keep indians and wolves out the boy ran down to the beach there he found a little steamer the exact landing his brother and other relatives and the terry family ships were not usual in puget sound at that time but several gold seekers had chartered this boat to take them to the queen charlotte islands and the pioneers had succeeded in getting passage but it had taken them a week to go down the columbia river from fort vancouver up the coast and through the straits of san juan de fuca to alki point the boat was overcrowded and everyone was seasick and it had been a hard voyage so now they had reached their new home this lonely tree-covered point the sky was gray and the rain was falling the low gray mist shut out the long line of snowy olympics which are so glorious when the sun shines the water lapping the beach at their feet was gray life itself seemed gray to some of those lonely homesick women it was so forlorn some of them sat down on logs in the rain on the beach and cried the men were busy at once pulling back the baggage and barrels of salt pork to prevent the rising tide from carrying it away with all these newcomers there were twenty-four people twelve children and twelve grown people yet there was only this one tiny log cabin and that unfinished the roof was not yet all on and there was no door the rainy season had begun for they landed on november thirteenth eighteen fifty one day after day rain fell softly and gently and day after day the gray waters of puget sound rolled in front of their cabin and the gray mist hung low a second cabin was begun at once but it was weeks before it was finished even so twelve people in each cabin was far from being comfortable the indians were friendly but curious they came in throngs setting up their tepees close around the log cabins they were so interested in everything the white men did that it was impossible to keep them out of the cabins the settlers at last solved that problem by cutting the door in halves an upper half and a lower half it was the style of door used by the early dutch settlers also in new york and other eastern states it is usually called a dutch door the lower half was fastened close to the ground by a wooden pen the upper half was open for light and air the indians after this was done could stand at the door and watch the white people but it was not nearly so easy to get in before the dutch doors were used the curiosity of the indians was very trying to the mothers one day a mother was frying some fresh fish at an open fireplace an indian walked in and sat down on a stool by the fire the fragrance of the fresh fish made him hungry and after a few moments he put out a long red finger to steal a piece from the pan the mother lifted her knife quickly as though to strike him with the broad side of it and the indian pushed back his stool another day a mother was baking some bread on a board in front of the open fire an indian sitting close by the fireplace started to poke his finger into it she picked up a wooden fire shovel quickly stirred up the hot coals with it and then like a flash slapped the indian hard on his bare legs with that hot shovel out of the door with a yell went that redskin the frightened mother sat down on a stool and wept the indians were not warlike yet she wondered if he would come back and scalp her back they did come sure enough she heard the jabbering of a crowd of indians talking in their own language and bravely she stepped to the door there the red men stood with this fellow in front pointing her out 
they did not attack her but she found afterwards that he pointed her out as dangerous he warned the other indians to let her alone the settlers depended upon the indians for their food they brought in fresh fish salmon trout and smelt clams and crabs besides halibut and many other kinds game was plentiful for the woods were full of elk and deer they brought irish potatoes which the hudson's bay company had taught them to plant years before and they brought also the small red indian potato the wapato another indian vegetable was the camas root looking like a small round onion but rather sweet their prices were not in money they sold a large salmon for a yard of red flannel many potatoes would they sell for a bright shining tin pail bacon and salt pork were brought to the settlers by the passing ships which came for lumber flour came from chile and was as yellow as gold sugar and tea came from china only one family that first year had a cook stove that they had brought over the plains the other family cooked by an open fire cook stoves at olympia without any store furniture at all cost eighty-five dollars in pioneer days groceries were very expensive besides the high price at olympia one had to pay also for an indian canoe two men to paddle it two days there and two back besides all the food those indians ate in four days the first winter at alki point proved that the location was not a good one there was no harbor and the high wind sweeping across the point made it almost impossible to load ships there early in the spring two or three settlers in a canoe paddled by indians went over to elliott bay to sound the depth of water as that seemed a better location with a horseshoe fastened to the end of a cotton clothesline they sounded the bay and found the water very deep even close to the shore the spring and summer of eighteen fifty two therefore nearly all the members of these two families moved over on the shore of elliott bay where seattle now stands they left the point which they had first called new york after they moved to the new location they called the old one new york alki alki being the indian word for by and by now it is simply known as alki point the winter after the first cabins at seattle were built eighteen fifty two eighteen fifty three one settler bought two barrels of salt pork for forty five dollars each and paid twenty dollars for a barrel of flour prices were very high as they always are in pioneer countries the pork however was half of it lost to the settlers one barrel was left high and dry above the tide mark until it should be needed while the other was opened for use a winter storm driving the waves high one night swept away the second pork barrel which was never seen again a torchlight search for it and several days of daylight search failed to find it yet there was food enough at hand in the fish and game and no one suffered the life of the pioneers was a very busy one besides their day's work in the forest the men made most of their own furniture they made tables chairs low stools and bedsteads with wooden planks instead of with springs but the wooden planks were covered with big feather beds so they were not uncomfortable feathers were readily bought from the indians and a few had brought the feather beds with them over the plains and the mountains the tables were long wide planks split from the trees they were hinged at the sides so that they hung down against the wall when not in use as the cabins were so small small round slabs from logs with the bark peeled off served as stools 
higher ones were sometimes used at the first for chairs it was just like sitting on a smoothed-off stump that could be moved about other chairs were made from barrels with feather cushions children slept on a very low bed which during the daytime was pushed under the big bed the first lamps were shells or sometimes cups filled with dogfish oil bought from the indians a bit of cotton rag served as a wick the strongest light came from the open fireplace seattle was named after the friendly indian chief seattle he did not want his name used at first because the indians fear to have their name spoken after they are dead old seattle was afraid his spirit would be troubled in the ghost land because he would hear it every time the name was spoken aloud but the americans made the kindly old chief so many presents that he was willing to take the risk they told him also that it was a very great honor the first post office in seattle was opened in eighteen fifty three it was only a log cabin the settlers had to pay twenty-five cents for each letter brought to seattle from olympia this was in addition to the postage paid in the beginning by the person who sent the letter the mail-boat from olympia was an indian canoe the trip took two days each way in summer but when it was stormy and in winter when the indians had to camp on the beach at night the trip took three days on return letters the settlers had to pay twenty-five cents to get the letter to olympia besides the regular postage from olympia to its address in the states this regular postage was from twenty-five to fifty cents rate of postage in those days was governed by the distance End of chapter nineteen